thinking then uh, this evening of caring uh, for our children uh, from the passage we read together in Acts chapter 16, especially verses 14 and 15. This uh, wonderful story about, about Lydia. Now, in a recent uh, study by the, the British Medical Council Pregnancy Childbirth Research Facility, they concluded that there are four basic needs of a newborn. <clears throat> this is mainly directed for the people at the back, Robert and, and all up there. Okay, the four basic needs uh, which they, they identified, the four elements which uh, are essential for well-being and development uh, and maturing of the, the, the newborn child have been identified by them in this extensive research. The first is immediate and thorough drying. Don't know if any of you's got that one, but that, that's one of them. The second is uh, skin-to-skin contact. And there's one for you, Robert. Uh, A third is delayed cord clamping. And the fourth is early initiation of breastfeeding. And we in our church, we we recognize the importance of caring for the bodies of our newborn children. Children. And and the church is a a wonderful place for getting ideas, for calming fears about newborn children. There's lots of grannies around, mothers around. They've seen it all before. They're they're a wealth of experience in churches and uh, parents and toddlers groups. And as our children grew up and a new issue arose, you'd go along to a granny or some other mother at the mother and toddlers or in the church and they would calm your fears and help you with the particular issue that you had. Caring for the bodies of our children is an important ministry and element. But in our church tonight, we're thinking more of caring for the souls of our newborn children and our older children as well. And how do we do that? What kind of things should we be implementing to care and nurture and and look after the souls of our children? And these two verses in Acts 16 also contain four elements which will help us care for the souls of our newborn child, Abel. Our clerk of session uh, Trevor, he's, he's not able to be here tonight, but, but soon he's going to be visiting the city of Philippi. This is, as we said, the first time that the Apostle Paul set foot in the continent of Europe. He had traveled 156 miles across the Aegean Sea, and I hope the weather was a, bit, a little bit better for them than it has been uh, this evening. Imagine crossing the Aegean Sea in weather like that, and he'd arrived at the port of Neapolis. And from Neapolis, there was a, a Roman road which stretched for miles. It was known as the Ignatian Way. And ships would come into Neapolis and unload their goods, and it would be taken by speed on this long and straight and smooth Roman road, the Ignatian Way. And we read in our text that 
from Neapolis. Paul and his colleagues in verse number 12, they went from there to Philippi. It was a nine-mile walk along the Ignatian Way through the hills to the city of Philippi, a Roman colony protected by Rome, provided for by Rome. It was a place where Roman soldiers, after they had fought for their great empire, would retire to and were looked after there in the city of Philippi. And it was here that Paul and his colleagues Silas and Luke and Timothy, a band of four, came on this occasion. It was an economic center, an agricultural center surrounded by vast tracts of fields. It was named after the father of Alexander the Great, Philip II of Macedon, who had won a mighty battle on the plains of Philippi, and he named it, of course, after himself, Philip. And here is Paul and his colleagues in this city. And in these verses 11 to 15, which describe the initial start of their stay there, there are many characters, interesting characters. But tonight we're we're thinking of the children and how the children in these verses are cared for and how we can lift these very principles and use them in our families and lives today. So how do we care for our children? Now the first point is possibly a little controversial, but there are four points. So we're thinking first of all by baptism, secondly by prayer, thirdly by bringing to, ch- by, by bringing to church, and third, fourthly by good influence, caring for our children. Firstly, by baptism. See verse 15, after she was baptized, that's Lydia, and her household as well. Now, all of us perhaps here uh, would agree that anyone uh, brought up in a home that was not Christian, who had never been baptized, when they get older and become a Christian, as Lydia did, then they should be baptized as an adult. I'm sure many of us agree with that point. And this is Lydia's experience. You see in verse 15, after and after, that is, after she became a Christian, in verse 14, the Lord opened her heart, and after that, she was baptized as an adult, as a believer. And the baptism, that, that symbol of, of cleansing, it was looking back to what had happened in her experience. The Lord had opened her heart. She had been forgiven. And her baptism was a symbol of that cleansing. God's Holy Spirit had come into her life, had convicted her of her sinfulness, and she had trusted in Jesus Christ as her saviour. And in that very moment, all of her sins were forgiven by the holy God Almighty. The sins she'd committed in her family, the sins she'd committed in her business, the sins she'd committed in her false religion in Thyatira, 
all of them in a moment, in an instant, when she was joined to Jesus Christ by faith, were forgiven. And after that, she was baptized. She'd been attending church. And one day, four strange gentlemen turned up at her little church. And these four gentlemen told her and the rest of the congregation about Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, that he had become man, that he had lived on this earth in perfect obedience to the God of heaven, something you and I or her could not do. And he had gone to the cross and died on the cross for the sins of the world and that through him and only through him can anyone Everyone be forgiven. And Lydia, it says in verse number 14, her heart was opened. She paid attention to what was said by Paul. She believed the message. And after that, she was baptized. But that's not all the verse says, is it? It says, and her household as well. And this is our point this evening that we care for our children by baptism. Of course, this doesn't mean that at this very moment of baptism, Abel will be made a Christian. Or that Abel, like Lydia, will, will, will have been forgiven. That that is not the message of Christian baptism that, that we perform this evening. But what we are saying is that this is a symbol, just as with Lydia. She was not forgiven when she was baptized. She was forgiven before she was baptized. So as we baptize Abel, we do so in the hope, in the prayer, in the expectation that God in the future will forgive and open the heart of this young lad, Abel. What happened to Lydia before her baptism, we trust and pray will happen to Abel at or after his baptism, that he also will have his heart opened by the Lord, that he will believe the gospel and know the reality of what baptism symbolizes, the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. And this was a pattern in the book of Acts. Cornelius believes and he and his household are baptized. The jailer in this very chapter believes and he and his household is baptized. Stephanus in the city of Corinth believes and his household is baptized. So in this instance, Lydia, the businesswoman from Asia, she believes and her household is baptized in the Gangetus River, which runs along the walls of Philippi. We're baptized with her. How would you answer the question which is asked later in this chapter, what must I do to be saved? Many of us would answer the question, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But that's not everything the text says in verse 31. It adds, and 
your house. And so this evening we, we come not only to think of baptism of adults who were brought up in a non-Christian home and became believers when they are older, but we're also thinking of this New Testament biblical example. There's no mention of the faith of the household here, but they're baptized on the basis of the head of the household's faith. After she believed, she was baptized and her household as well. Robert and Laura are believers. And so this evening we, we baptize a member of their household, young Abel. We care for our children by baptism. Secondly, we care for our children by prayer. Baptism, I'm sure you'll agree, symbolizes three things if you're a student of the scriptures and a student of this subject of baptism. It symbolizes cleansing, as we've said. We use water to cleanse ourselves. And in the UK, on average, a person uses 152 liters of water a day. This is the key symbol of cleansing in our society, in our lives. And in the Bible, baptism is a symbol of cleansing. In Acts 22 verse 16, we read of Paul, the command given to him, rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins. Paul was already forgiven converted on the Damascus road but he was told to get up and wash away his sins it's the symbol of cleansing that baptism represents it also represents union with the triune God doesn't it we're baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit the, the, the adult Lydia is is declaring that she is following the values of Christianity and the Lord of Christianity and the ways of Christianity. And as we baptize Abel this evening into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, his parents, his church is saying, we want this young boy to follow the ways of Christ. The triune God, not to be a, a Muslim or a Hindu, but the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And baptism, it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Water is often connected to the, the Holy Spirit and his work of change and regeneration. And it's this idea that's prominent in Lydia's experience. The Lord opened her heart took away those barriers of unbelief, dispelled that darkness of understanding that was there, created within her the emotions of love for Jesus Christ. The Spirit opened her heart and that work of cleansing and renewal is symbolized in the element of water in baptism. But it's only a symbol it's only a sign. And we pray that God will join that outward sign 
with the inward power of his Holy Spirit in the recipient of baptism. And here is, is Lydia as her household is baptized. And you can imagine this businesswoman watching her children, her, her servants being baptized. And, and the prayer in her heart is that God would do for them what he had done for her, that that outward symbol will be joined to the inner workings of the Holy Spirit in her heart. As we baptize, we trust that God will effect that inner cleansing today or in the near future in the heart of, of young Abel Palmer. I have always thought about getting three words uh, printed on a sticky plastic. The words at the end of Acts 16.31, and your house. And, and driving around the peninsula and, and, and ards, uh, there are little churches that, that have this great text on it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But they miss out the last three words, and your house. And I feel like pulling out these letters and sticking it onto the sign because what a promise it is. And this is what the communities in Port of Ogie need to hear and in Newton Ards need to hear that the God of heaven can rescue families and parents who are demented with the riotous behavior of their children have this promise before their eyes. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and their house. We care for our children by baptism. And we care for our children by prayer. That the, the outward sign will be joined to the inward reality of cleansing and renewal. Prayer was a big thing for Lydia before she was a Christian. She was at this prayer meeting down at the river. And I imagine that prayer was an even bigger thing for her after she became a Christian. She prayed for her household that God's grace would be on them. But thirdly, we care for our children by bringing them to church. And this was, was quite an undertaking for Lydia. Her household were able to be baptized in the Gangetes River there at Philippi because they were with her at the church service. How many children did she have? I suggest three or four because in this Roman colony, there were perks and privileges within business for families who had three or four children. And probably she had three or four children and then some servants as well within her household. And yet, she was at church. There's no mention of her husband here. Perhaps she was a widow or a single mom. Perhaps he was still at home in Thyatira. But she was at church with her family. 
The meeting here, uh, archaeologists have discovered, was a mile and a half out of the city of Philippi. A half hour walk for this woman and her children and her servants. But she was at church. The church was outside the city of Philippi probably because it was a Roman colony and they did not like the Christians who were put out of the city of Rome in AD 49 by the emperor. They were a persecuted, unwanted body of people. But yet she was at church. She cared for her children. And she brought them to church. Because at church, she had been transformed. In verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It was in the church service that she had listened to God for the first time. Listened with new ears. Listened with a a fresh understanding. Listened as if for the first time. And what experience she had had. She desired that her children and servants would have. And she cared for them. By bringing them to church. And our children are more likely to be saved if they're in the church service than sitting at home playing on the Xbox. Parents can't really blame the church for not having things for the young people if they as parents haven't brought their children to the church service where God works like this, opening the heart of unbelievers. Caring by baptism, caring by prayer, caring by bringing to church, and lastly, caring by good influences in her home. Lydia was well healed. She was in a successful business. This seller of purple in, in verse 14 was a, a rare and prestigious trade. She was a a salesperson representing a business from Thyatira. Dorothy Irvin, an expert in in this area, speaks of 8,000 mollusks being required to produce one gram of purple dye. And this purple dye was made into the garments which emperors wore. A status symbol within society. And so Lydia belonged to this illustrious, noble, lucrative business. And so she was in a position to say to the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, come and stay at my house. But not only did she have the rooms and the space and the garden and the facility, what she wanted in her home among her children and her servants was a good influence. And when Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke said, no, 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 we'll stay in tents, we'll rough it in the local inn, she pressed them to come home with her 
to be a good influence on her children. Can you imagine family worship in that house? The singing, the application of the the passage read by the Apostle Paul, Timothy, Silas, Luke. Can you imagine the apostles answering the questions of children? Where did Cain get his wife then, Paul? Why is the name of God not found in the book of Esther, Paul? What influence? What examples? What education? As parents, we need to follow this example among our families. To bring into our homes good influences. To impact our children. To care for the books and the films and the games and the people that come into our premises. To be proactive to ensure that there are good influences among our children. Caring for our covenant children by baptism. One of the requirements in our church catechism encourages children to improve their baptism. To remember what the baptism which they received as as an infant was and symbolizes and to think of forgiveness, of cleansing, of the work of the Spirit, of regeneration. As they grow older into an age of understanding, they're encouraged to improve their baptism. Are they cleansed? Are they forgiven? Are they regenerate by God's Spirit? By prayer. Lydia valued prayer before she was a Christian. I'm sure she valued prayer more after she was a Christian. And as parents and as a congregation, We'll be praying this evening, not only in the moment of baptism, but but long after tonight, that God's blessing will be on the, the children of our congregation by church attendance. I think Lydia would have been a woman who would choose the carrot, not the stick. I think she would lift the, the picnic basket and not the wooden spoon. And I imagine this businesswoman saying to her children and her servants on a Sunday morning, come on, let's go down to church and afterwards we'll dangle our feet in the river Gangetes and we'll have a picnic there. And bringing your children along to church doesn't need to be a chore and boring and a drudgery. My parents used to put a a packet of peppermints in their pocket. And it really helped our our church attendance and attentiveness within the service by bringing them. And lastly, by good influences on them. Do you think Lydia ever reminded her children of the stay of Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke? I'm sure she did. I'm sure she would have said to her little son, Johnny, and here we go in these names again. Johnny, I think about sort tonight. Johnny! Paul would never have spoken like that. 
Or maybe she would have said to, to, to Mary, Mary, Timothy said his prayers every evening. And no doubt for years after, she would have looked back and used the example and the influence that had come into their home at this time. This parents, you and I also, as we care for our children, can use the example and influence of, our, of their grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, neighbors, church members, to train and guide and steer the children of our family and of our church, caring for our children. 